Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hey, Danny. Hey, hey. I got a question for you. Oh, shoot. What time do you get up in the morning? About eight. Eight? That's a lion, mate. That's like 2.30 a.m., obviously. <laughs> it's quite early. Why are you getting up so early? Well, it just gives me a few minutes to get ready for prayer time. Prayer time? Yeah, I've got prayer time. That's scheduled in. That's at quarter to uh, to 3 a.m. What do you do after that? Well, that takes me about half an hour. I'm just in contemplating prayer, thinking about God and stuff. Then I'm having breakfast at 3.15. You might think that's a pretty early breakfast. When do you have breakfast? <laughs> about 10. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's because you don't have as much stuff to do as I do. What do you, what do, you do after breakfast? Well, I, I scoff my breakfast down um, in about 35 minutes, and then I go for my 3.40 to 5.15 a.m. workout. That's a pretty precise amount of time, but, you know, I'm, I'm really, like, as careful to pack that stuff in. Wow, you know? so that's your workout for the day, right? No, 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 that's just my workout. That's my first workout. After that, I have to have my uh, post-workout meal. Right. So that's, like, 11s is, because it's after <laughs> breakfast but before lunch. But I... <laughs> But, but what time are you having that? This is at half past five a.m. Okay, fair enough. It's my second meal of the day. Then I've got. <laughs> then I shower. I shower from six a.m. until seven thirty a.m. So Blimey. I've got very clean then. Very clean because <laughs> I spend ninety minutes showering. Which for I don't know how long do you spend in the shower? Five ten minutes. Five ten minutes. Well, I you know I've already eaten two meals, had a full workout and stuff. Got to get clean so. I'm washing my body for that long. And then um, I just, I think it's time for a little break because I've really worked quite hard. Sure. So around the time you're starting to get up, I've, I've playing golf. Okay. I'm playing golf from 7.30 to 8 a.m. <laughs> with my half, buddies. Half an hour just, of golf. Just a real quick round of golf. Unfortunately, I took up too much time too much time in my shower. Do you live next to a golf course? Like, uh, Yes, I do live <laughs> next to it. in the commute to and there? Yeah. To and from? Exactly. Well, maybe it's because um, just sort of spitballing about my own uh, daily life. <laughs> maybe I'm playing golf by myself, you know, because no one else is really hitting the links at that time. So, like, it doesn't take me as long because it's just me. Sure. So I'm just wh- I'm just whipping around, whipping around a like crazy golf course by myself in half an hour. Um, then uh, what? So you're getting up 8 a.m. Yeah. Um, I'm having my snack. Yeah, yeah, that's my snack. third uh, third meal of the day. Cool. How long does that take you to have that snack? Oh, I, I polish that snack off in a cool 90 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> After my snack, it's sort of like, I get quite tired by this point. Yeah. And I'm like, re- I'm really sort of like heated up. You yeah. know, like I'm sort of burning from the snack I ate. Sure. So um, I've got to cool off. So I head into the cryo chamber. Um, What's one of those? It's like a really, really cold pod. And... <laughs> it's intensely cold. Uh, most people only go in for five or ten minutes, uh, but I head in for <laughs> like an hour, <laughs> full, a full hour, a full hour. So when I come out, I'm like basically a frozen block of ice. You must be quite hungry after you've come out. What yeah. Do do? <laughs> <laughs> after I've come out of the cryo chamber, I need to rebuild some of the heat that I've lost. Uh, so I have another snack. It's quite a lonely, lonely day so far. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't spoken to a soul. I haven't spoken to a soul. <laughs> you got a lot done. I've been up for eight hours. Uh, and it's, uh, oh, nine hours even. And yeah, so I think it's time to see my family. So I have a bit of family time and I also get to get into do some meetings. A what lot ta- of people. What time ha- is this, sorry? Uh, this is at 11 a.m. Okay, so cool. a lot of people struggle to balance their work um, life, you know. Uh, sure, absolutely. Balance. and But for me, I just put them in the same slot of my day. Yeah. Got family time, meetings and work calls. I uh, do that for a couple of hours. Then at 1 p.m., it's time for lunch. 
Um, and then I've got another session of meetings and work calls at 2 to 3 p.m. Woe betide the family member that tries to intrude on me then. You've, you've missed your fucking slot, mate. That was from 11 to 1. And uh, then at 3 p.m., like any normal dad, I go and pick up my kids from school. That's very nice. And then that's a bit tiring, though. Yeah. So it's time for another snack. <laughs> <laughs> I'm peckish. My third snack of the day. It's like my sixth meal or something. And it's given me so much energy, that snack, which takes me half an hour, this one. So it's not as like serious as some of my previous snacks. Um, it's time for my second workout. Of course. So I hit the gym. I'm, I'm getting jacked and building body mass. And maintaining my godlike physique there for an hour um then i have my second shower of the day the 90 minute shower that i had earlier not enough cleaning i've dirtied myself again with sure. my second workout so i shower myself a half an hour um then it's about 5 30 so what do you normally do danny around 5 30 in the uh, afternoon would you say walking the dog probably walking the dog yeah that seems like a pretty reasonable thing to do um i'm having dinner with my family nice. um more dinner time family time and take about 90 minutes for that and then uh, just when everyone else is beginning their evening, it's time for bed for me. <laughs> <laughs> I've had a long day. You've got to be up in seven hours. <laughs> exactly, this, this yeah. It's the same day. Yeah, it's pretty crazy, but, you know, it's like, yeah, it's just what, that's that's what you need to be dedicated, isn't it? You need to operate on a sort of semi-nocturnal schedule, which is like, <laughs> doesn't align at all with other people. Blimey. Um, and it just so happens that I have the exact same routine as the 47 year old action movie star mark Wahlberg. wow what are the odds which he announced earlier today imagine my reaction reading that he had the same <laughs> schedule as me bizarre yeah especially all those meetings and family time you have <laughs> <laughs> exactly. a single dude just who's, who's he picking up well i've just got it blocked out yeah i'm just getting into the routine you know sure, so eventually. that it's there when i need it so I just so, yeah. go hang out at the school and come back. <laughs> Reading that, I thought, like, shouldn't he be, like, Dwayne The Rock Johnson big? Or, like, Dave He's Batista not big, big enough. He's, like, that, you know, I know he's a very built guy, but maybe it's because he's just short. So he I just think it might just be he doesn't have the height for it. He doesn't have the height to pile on the uh, pounds. Yeah, yeah. That's insane. He's an interesting guy, isn't he, Mark Wahlberg? He's a very interesting man. Very, very interesting. I find him uh, value for money, though. Like, his perpetually confused expression, <laughs> no matter what the role, just... Uh, his incredible comic tour de force performance in The Happening. So, uh, yeah. It's a sincere dramatic... Well, everything's so sincere with him. That's part of his charm. Absolutely, yeah. But I love it when he plays people who aren't, like, just guys who punch people. When he's, like, he's a science teacher or something. It's just, like, that's terrible casting. No science but, teacher. But it's actually like, oh, perfect it's casting. Actually perfect. Look, I don't know if you guys have heard about this article in the New York Times about honeybees vanishing. Well, apparently, honeybees are disappearing all over the country. Tens of millions of them just disappearing. There's no bodies, no sign of them. They're just mysteriously gone. It's scary, huh? All right, let's hear some theories about why this might be happening. Um, I was reading a little bit about Mark Wahlberg's. This is one way in which Wahlberg and I differ is that he's got like a long history of criminal violence and like racist, you know, assaults and stuff. I'm not like that. Don't have that. Um, and this is just um, prompted by someone's tweets that I saw. Um, but apparently in June 1986 at a young age yeah, I'm sure he wouldn't appreciate people digging through his history I'm sure he feels that he's changed you know, dramatically by now I'm sure he wasn't doing the prayer time at this point this was before he had the, the two like quarter to 3am prayer time <laughs> sure. <laughs> blocked out um, yeah, in June 1986 Wahlberg and three friends chased after three African American children while yelling kill the n-word and throwing rocks at them that's bad that's bad, that's bad. Um, the next day Wahlberg and others followed a group of school children taking a field trip on a beach, yelled racial epithets at them, threw rocks at them, and summoned other white males who joined in the harassment. This okay, is a, according to Wikipedia. And then he was... Um, uh, an, a civil action was filed against him for violating the civil rights of his victims uh, later that year. And he also, like, uh, a couple of years later, um, used a large wooden stick to bash over the head a middle-aged Vietnamese man until he was unconscious while calling him a Vietnam fucking shit. <laughs> it's oh not the God. most eloquent of insults. Um, and then he attacked a different Vietnamese man the same day and punched him in the eye. And according to court documents, Wahlberg stated to police officers, you don't have to let him identify me, I'll tell you now, that's the motherfucker whose head I split open. Investigators also noted that Wahlberg made numerous unsolicited racial statements about gooks and slant-eyed gooks. Um, and then this is the funny punchline to this you know, story, 
in November 2014, you know, a very long time later, Wahlberg filed an application in Massachusetts requesting a full and unconditional pardon of his prior convictions. Um, and then what I, apparently what I, what I heard, you know, this is in the realm of like just some passing comment on Twitter, but apparently th- th- this was prompted by the fact that his convictions were holding back his expanding uh, restaurant business. Mark, the Wahlburgers. The Wahlburgers, yeah. Right. So, you know, it didn't prevent him becoming a very successful and famous movie star, but yeah. it, he could not uh, expand those Wahlburgers <laughs> without doing something about his you reference the fact that he met the Pope because he's a big Catholic, and when he the Pope did a sort of U.S. tour and came to Boston, you know, big Catholic town, and there was some uh, interview where he's talked about like, what are your biggest regrets? And he's like, oh, boogie nights. I'm not, you know, pleased with. It's like, what about finding that guy? It's like, I hope God is, you know, forgiving because I made boogie nights. It's like, and also uh, racially attacked several people. Yeah, that, that's uh, probably a bigger regret. That's probably it should be it should be a bigger regret. First of all, that is your best film. Yeah. So if you're going to regret one film, why is it that? Why isn't it like Transformers Day of Extinction or something? Yeah. Anyway, um, obviously we're going to be forming the Mark Wahlberg pod soon. But in the meantime, what should this podcast be about, Sam? Um, I reckon this podcast should be a kind of satire of hyper-violent mainstream culture or something in a really sort of clever way nice. that looks initially stupid but is actually very clever. Cool. And a lot of people will say that it's juvenile, cheap and offensive garbage. But it's actually clever satire. And if you complain about it, it just makes you a stupid old granddad. And you should probably be torn apart by wild dogs in a way that's like a really funny joke. Um, and to go, more look, go into a little bit more detail about this, I think it should be basically about you, Danny Moran, bored after having retired from fighting crime. And you begin training with your deadly teenager friend, Mindy, to become a real hero. Cool. And meanwhile, following the death of my father, I accidentally kill my own mother by short-circuiting her tanning bed, and then I gain control of my father's criminal empire, and I decide to become a supervillain called The Motherfucker, which is quite a funny sort of name, isn't it? Yeah. And I assemble a gang of supervillains called the Toxic Mega Cunts, including my aide Javier, and I gain a cult following on Twitter, and I swear vengeance on you because you killed my father. And meanwhile, you're resuming life as a superhero, and you join a superhero team called Justice Forever, which is led by Colonel Stars and Stripes. He's a kind of another satire on America or something. Cool. And you begin a sexual relationship with a character called Night Bitch. Nice. Another sweary name, which I think everyone's going to enjoy. And uh, then, uh, what do we do? We alienate our friend Todd from participating in our heroics with a guy called Marty, who's called Battle Guy. He's on the team. Right. Uh, meanwhile, Mindy, who's training you, she is attempting to lead a normal life, and she tries out for the dance team at school and asks a boy to take her on a date. Um, anyway, a bunch of other stuff happens. Eventually, the bad guy gets his dick eaten by a shark, and everyone just feels great. And then, you know, cool. that'll, be how the, that'll be how the podcast ends up. What do you think? Yeah, good, good idea. Well, it would be a good idea, wouldn't it? <laughs> if that was actually what we were doing, but it's not. It's actually just a podcast where we talk about films. I'm Sam Foster, and joining me, a guy who kicks ass. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Who kicks ass again in the sequel to Kick Ass, Danny Moran. Hey, hey, it's me. On this episode of Film Chat, I will be reviewing The Children's Act, which mines great drama out of the previously untapped scenario of unhappy rich people. Fucking game changer. (laughs) (laughs) And then you will be reviewing The Miseducation of Cameron Post, a film about a gay conversion therapy camp. Seemed like a very serious subject matter. I didn't want to think of a joke for this bit. I thought of one joke, but I'm unsure about it. All right. Okay. Well, this allows you to both give the joke and not. So <laughs> It's set on a camp where the only thing that's allowed to be camp is the camp itself. Okay. <laughs> but like camp and gay isn't the same thing. You can be straight in camp, so it doesn't really work. Well, not at this place. You can't be. Can't even be camp. Can't well, I think that I think that they would see that as a if a man was camp, they would see that as a sign of homosexuality, and that would not be allowed. Yeah, I didn't see the movie, so I didn't have a lot to work with. Nah, well, you think you did a good job? Ah, oh, thanks, man. Plus, we talk about the latest film from so hot right now director John Peel, and observe ten minutes of silence to commemorate the sad news that Henry Cavill may no longer be playing Superman. All of which should give me just enough time to take you through my daily routine from my one thirty wake up followed by four hours of intense praying, followed by four hours of intense showering, and then I, I watched Jonathan Pye videos on YouTube for seven hours, 
and a couple of hours of liking all of Richard Osman's tweets, and then back to the cryopod. <laughs> It's actually a pretty simple schedule. Do you sleep every... in the cryopod? Yeah, I've, you know. That kill... saves time, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, two birds, one stone. I work out in there as well. <laughs> <laughs> Pick up my kids in the cryopod. Oh, it's mobile? Yeah, it's mobile. I've it's like a little car. Yeah, I've just... It's like, it's, the really... ba- it's like the bat pod from The Dark Knight Rises. It's a waste of the time, Warburg. Just like <laughs> separate all the stuff. Yeah. Idiots. Put an engine in your cryopod, mate. Yeah. Films, 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 lots of films, 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 films. He's good films, bad films, fun films, sad films, films we love, weird films, Lars von Trier films, old films, new films, some John that star Peter Fitch Films by David Lynch Films short, films six hours long We've got films up to your gills With films, 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 movies Are you feeling comfortable? Film chat has begun Andy Poole, who is unofficial, just third leg of film chat now. Film chat pen pal. Film, ch- film chat pen pal. We never reply, but... We never reply. <laughs> uh, but please keep on sending stuff in. He asked us, which American actors do we think have done a good British accent? He cites that K2SO in Rogue One is played by Alan Tudyk, who he thought did a good job, albeit as a robot. He also says that Rennie Zellweger and Robert Downey Jr. supposedly do good British accents each but he thinks they both still sound slightly odd. What do we think? Um, Americans doing good British accents. Yeah, I think I think Rene Zellweger's accent is pretty good, but it's certainly of a particular type that American actors often sort of gravitate towards. I think they I think they mainly try to do those kind of cut glass, like posh accents. Yes. I feel like that's the one that's like the most imi- imitable, um, or imitatable or whatever. Yeah, but well, I was trying to think because just Americans aren't often asked to do British accents because they don't have to. Whereas if you're a British actor who want to have a film career, you kind of have to do an American accent, particularly if you're not white. Like, yeah, you know, you can be Eddie Redmayne and never do an American accent. Probably, I'm sure he's done one, but he could, you know, his biggest hits have all been in his natural accent. But yeah, yeah. you can't be Daniel Kaluuya breakout, in a, you know, because there's just no there's prestige. not enough roles. Exactly. Yeah, but also I do think that there's a bit of a double standard in that American TV and film are awash with Brits doing less than standard British accents, but they just seem less hung up about it. Less than standard American accents. Uh, yeah, American accents. Like, I think Benedict Cumberbatch's accent Doctor Strange... Well, if you compare it to, like, Tom Holland's accent, it's, like, flawless. Yeah. And then Benedict Cumberbatch's one is just, like, obviously a British guy doing an accent. I think that... I think Cumberbatch and also Hugh Laurie in House... Uh, it's the same kind of, kind of category... Frill, it's like, the same sort um, of category of American accent like um or the same category of accent as the Rene Zellweger British accent I think you know yeah. where it's like the the go-to one like if someone just pointed a finger at you and were like do this accent when obviously there are many different American accents many different British accents but I think if you asked an American to do one either they do the sort of like cockney you know yeah um type thing or they or they do like the the uh the that sort of posh voice or and a weird combination of both or a strange bizarre combination oh, hello, of hello I'm James Cromwell from Knightsbridge yeah exactly and uh, Danny Genius, I think like it's the sort of thing where it doesn't really sound that convincing, but it's you know passable, or it's not distracting, yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah. Like no one really talks like that, but it sounds good enough. Which is also how I feel about Peter Dinklage's Tyrion Lannister accent. He's just a, he just does the guy from One Foot in the Grave, basically, right? He's just like I don't believe it. <laughs> he does. It's just like the sort of Victor Meldrew. <laughs> he is doing a bit of a Victor Meldrew. I hadn't thought about I that did before, not but do it. Yeah. Which is not really a convincing accent, but it somehow is like, you know, it's just how that character talks in the show. So you don't really mind. It's just fine. I don't believe it. I did not do it. Yeah, I was trying to think of America's Good British Accents. One that came to mind was um, Ben Schnetzer from Pride. He's American. He's from New York. I thought he was British, but he does like this incredible, it's like a Belfast accent, but Londonified in the 80s. And I, it was so convincing. And I was like, in my head, good accent work and good acting is the same thing. And I was like, gee, he really did his homework. Yeah. It was very impressive. We've let you down. No, we have. We haven't collected enough. We haven't raised enough awareness. We know that. No, it's not enough to always be defending. Sometimes you have to attack to push forward. So I would say he is the best at doing a British accent. Maybe because it's specific, like you are saying. But it's really like Anne Hathaway's 
sort of Yorkshire accents really bad in one day. Yeah. But you'd like, how many Americans can you think of that have done a British accent recently? Especially the yeah, regional accent is very hard for them to pull off, I think. Yeah. I was, I've been listening to a podcast, Critical Role. It's like Dungeons and Dragons podcast, um, where they're all like voice actors who play Dungeons and Dragons. And the host obviously has to do like a million different voices. He's a professional voice actor. But uh, because they're like populating this fantasy world, he gravitates towards British accents all the time. Right. And, like all the sort of like random guards or like peasant folk and stuff. They tend to be uh, British. And it's quite funny because they're not like they're not like cringe inducingly bad accents, but it is just quite funny watching this like or listening to this American guy trying to do this tour of the British Isles. Like all the dwarves are really Scottish, for example, and like of course they are. <laughs> you know. <laughs> um and anyone who's a bit like sort of poor and common tends to have either like a Cockney accent or some like vaguely, I think, you know, regional, some sort of vaguely sort regional of accent. Yeah, which he's like probably you know, he's I'm sure he's like done the lessons and it's like this is a specific part of Cornwall or something like that, but it never sounds like, you know, that yeah. specific but it's very very hard to do them i can't really do regional shots inside either so who am i to judge who are you to judge well that's settled that hasn't it <laughs> moving on certainly it has superhero films announced casting rumors leaking out m night Shyamalan's film is hated paul thomas anderson's is fated meryl streep's oscar tips matt damon's in a viral vid michael bay's made a mint uh, when do you want to schedule in the long silence for Henry Cavill's passing? Let's do it now. Let's do that. Let's do that one now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Okay, well, if I've skipped ahead, then I don't know what happened in the editing process. Because I'm committed <laughs> to not skipping ahead. So, yeah, that's the story. Henry Cavill oh. reportedly, I think this has not been completely confirmed, right? But this is like the rumors. Yeah. But they seem pretty solid rumours that Cavill is not going to be returning as Superman in yet another blow for the increasingly confused uh, DC cinematic universe. How do you feel about the departure of Cavill, Danny? Are you sad to see Henry go? Well, no. Are you excited to see him replaced? Sure. <laughs> well, Ben Affleck's leaving, right? It feels like they're doing a... It's like heading towards like a soft reboot. Yeah. Like they've got to keep Wonder Woman, right? Because that was a success. Everyone likes Wonder Woman. They're forging ahead with those movies. So, so is she going to then do another superhero team up? I think m- maybe the most likely thing to do is that they'll abandon the joined up universe entirely and just try to make individual films and then maybe try to join them up later, which is yeah. what they should have done from the get go. I mean, I feel kind of bad for Henry Cavill because like the writing was never particularly good for his Superman. He was like a sort of, but I don't think he's that, he's quite a boring actor to begin with. Yeah. But poor man is have to kept he's kept all that physique for five years, right? He's just like oh. Well, maybe he's just looking forward to being able to like get out the gym for a little bit. Yeah. Um. Uh, yeah, I think that in a way, the relatively flat writing of his character suited him as an actor because <laughs> he does look, you know, noble when he frowns, and that's basically all he had to do. You know, all of those films. Yeah, it's true. So I think it was kind of met him halfway a little bit, the material that he was working with. I guess it's a shame for him that his like last appearance he's got like a CGI lip and it's like in the most <laughs> god awful mess of a movie. That's true, yeah. It you is know, yeah. it was very Man of Steel's a very strange movie. And it didn't it got off to a shaky start and it just got worse and worse for him. I don't know. Maybe it's for the best. Like if it's a new actor you can sort of potentially pretend the other films didn't happen and cause and do a more sort of Grant Morrison, all-star Superman type Superman, who's just a, a sound dude and all moping all the time. That's probably what they will do, because they've got this Batman movie that's coming in with, uh, directed by Matt Reeves, right, that he's... Detective Batman. Detective Batman. So that's going to presumably exist in its own world and be a completely detached thing. There's the Joker movie, which is its own thing. Then there's the other Joker movie, which is its own thing. I guess the question is, who should play Superman? Who should play Superman? Great question. Well, they've they've floated Michael B. Jordan. There was some rumor about that. Another super jacked Superman. Um, yeah, he's got the physique, doesn't he? He's very good looking. Obviously, it would be a different kind of Superman because he's black, and Superman is an extremely white superhero. That's true. 
and that kind of like midwestern farm boy symbol of um, american like hope whatever way yeah but if um, he well yeah that's interesting i wonder how much they'd make it a point though if they'd made him black yeah because he have to grow up in he's from kansas was like how many black people are there to begin with there a white couple are adopting a black kid. Well, the, the first scene, like, the local racists attack him and he fights them off or something. Well, there was a good article by Mark Bernardin, I want to say. This um, culture writer talking about why he thought Bond can be black, but Batman has to be white. Because Batman's a billionaire from a le- like his old money in America. And, like, a black billionaire is like Oprah. There aren't that many black billionaires. And it makes sense. And the character is like Bruce Wayne is someone facing up to the legacy of like his family or industrialists who've taken a lot from the city. And then his dad decides to give stuff back and he follows in the face of his dad. And he thinks like if it was black, it would change the whole psychological profile of the character. Yeah. But the if same it's is supposed to be and if it's supposed to be set in a sort of America that is, translates to actual history. Yeah. So I wonder if how you do it with Superman. I mean, I'm all for it because like they've done, you know, six Superman movies. You know, why not? Yeah, you, can, you know, it's not hard to get that Christopher Reeve movie. It's on Amazon Prime. You know, you can just watch it. Like, it's definitely it's definitely true that it would change the symbolism of the character quite significantly. Yeah, because he is so all American that it would mean something different to have a black Superman than than a white one. And I guess it would be worth doing if they, you know, if if that was part of the material they're working with rather than just doing. Because I, I think it would be hard to just make a completely normal, I don't know, like a version of Superman that does not ad- address the fact that he's black at all, but he's played by a black actor. It could be a bit odd, but um, but I don't know. Perhaps that's wrong. Maybe that's the wrong way to look at it. Bring it on. Bring it on. I'm excited. Yeah, me too. But not as excited as I am about this next news story. <laughs> so Jordan Peele has lined up a bunch of projects. He's producing a new Twilight Zone. He just produced Black Klansman. He's working on many other films because everybody wants to hire him because he made the most successful movie of last year in terms of sort of cultural impact, arguably. I'm going to say yes. Yeah, it was certainly a big hit and a great film. And apparently he is eyeing a remake of the film Candyman, which I've not seen but is the basic plot is that if you say Candyman five times into a mirror, he comes and kills you. The Candyman in question is the spirit of a successful black man who fathered a child of a white woman in 1890, and then the white woman's dad found out, organized a mob to lynch, mutilate, and kill him with bees. Not sure how the bees factored in it. Maybe they just you know, put him into a hive. They stung to death. Um, but you can definitely see how... Candyman is a spirit of sort of uh, black vengeance. Yeah. Uh, could factor into sort of Jordan Peele's whole very astute racial filmmaking. Racial filmmaking? <laughs> is that a phrase I want to use? I don't know. It's a very incisive <laughs> look at the state of racial relations in America. Yeah, but also into, Get Out, in, Get in Out is a very like, it's a very historically conscious film. That's what I'm trying like, to say. Like it's not just about like contemporary race in America, but it's about how that it's all under the surface you know and like connecting it to an era when it was more overt yeah and it's also a very american horror idea there's a really good document i might have said this before in the podcast just well sorry man we're in 175 episodes on right now so there's a really good uh documentary about the australian exploitation cinema of the 70s called ausploitation not quite hollywood i'd highly recommend it even if you haven't seen any of the movies just really entertaining film but in it they talk about how australian horror movies are often about how the land is savage and out to kill you and like if you disrespect nature there's a movie called the long weekend um where like a couple go picnicking and then like nature turns their back you know tries to kill them and there's one about a killer pig and this guy makes a point that every culture has a horror story that relates to the country in some way and that's true like strange things about nature and the american one is always like a ghost story it's because it's built on a graveyard because, you know, they murdered the indigenous population of the Native Americans, and then it's built on the backs of all these slaves. So there's blood in the soil everywhere, and the blood will out. So the sort of haunted house thing is a very... Though the origins are sort of European Gothic literature, it kind of chimes with the American identity yeah. a bit more. Yeah. So you can totally see how that fully fits in. Yeah, and this is a story worth updating. Yeah. Um, and... Uh, since it's like quite a, a routine thing and has been for a while for um, Hollywood to produce kind of glossy remakes of uh, old like previous horror movies, like they seem to do that constantly. Yeah, they're always like churning one of those out. 
um uh this is uh, you know much more enticing prospect than normal for that like pattern because they've got like a you know great filmmaker who's probably got a great take on it even if he's you know i hope he's just not too busy i hope the guy's not too overworked yeah you know give him a break poor poor jordan peele <laughs> poor jordan peele i hope he's got enough time to you know he's just had a kid as well has he really yeah hmm. hey, he must be exhausted peel, changing nappies. peel off the old fruit here we go something like that peel, i don't know peel off the old fruit <laughs> <laughs> like a chip off the old block but he's called peel the apple doesn't fall far from the tree <laughs> and i can't wait to peel that apple it's sort of partridge-esque <laughs> bit of a radio norwich uh effort there sorry about that but yeah looking forward to that jordan peel superman why not yeah it's a shame neither of us have seen candy man right no, nah. I haven't seen it. I just know that thing about you say his name five times in a mirror. Can't I just not say that? I'm sure they work in the movie, like why people were saying that, but I would just not say it. That's about how I'd avoid him. Just don't say that. <laughs> <laughs> it seems like a pretty big plot hole. <laughs> Glaring. Looks like Sam's got a film to review. He's just getting ready now. Hey Sam, here's a few tips for you that I hope are gonna help you out. You gotta come prepared, try not to rush, speak directly into the mic. Um, don't sort of use filler words too much and try to avoid talking total shite. Okay, start reviewing now. Okay, The Miseducation of Cameron Post. This is the new movie by Desiree Akavan. Um, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that name correctly. Uh, which is her follow-up to her directorial, directorial debut, Appropriate Behaviour, which she made and starred in 2014. Remember that movie? ish ish i remember seeing the poster for it did not see the film itself and uh, that was a sort of coming of age tale and this is another one it's adapted from a novel of the same name by someone called emily danforth and stars chloe moretz as cameron posted the title and she is this um teenager who is caught on the night of her high school prom in um making out with another girl and is subsequently sent by her family to a gay conversion therapy center a, a christian one which is called god's promise um, and which is run by a brother and sister duo, um, Reverend Rick and Lydia March, who are played by John Gallagher Jr. and Jennifer Ehler. You know, Elizabeth Bennett. Yeah, from the 90s Colin Firth version, right? Yeah, but this time she's not like that at all. She's, she's doing like an American a, accent. She's doing an American accent. Oh, how is her American accent? Very good. Well, it's, Another yeah, one for the list. I thought it was pretty good. I don't think you would know that she wasn't American. Um, and she's doing a sort of Nurse Ratched-esque uh, performance. Um, and there she bonds with um, a couple of other people, um, including Sasha Lane, um, who plays a character called Jane Fonda. She's called Jane Fonda. Great. Make a joke of that in the movie? Certainly do. So, um, I quite enjoyed this film. It won the Grand Jury Prize at Sundance for drama, so it got like the highest you know, um, accolades that you can get at Sundance. It has had a lot of like really good buzz behind it. Um, and uh, I definitely enjoyed it, but I don't think it was like... Um, in like entirely successful it was not like a classic basically but i did quite like it it's basically trying to tread a um, very careful dramatic line between being a sort of john hughes-esque um growing up film uh about being a teenager and trying to work out who you are and stuff and like you know kids bonding and becoming friends and a more sort of hard-hitting drama um, that's uh, vaguely like a sort of one flow of the cuckoo's nest thing, like where you're stuck in this abusive institution. Um, and uh, I think it does um, a pretty good job in a way of balancing the elements, but I don't think it's like totally successful in doing so. And uh, it ends up occasionally um, relying on some cliches to oil the wheels, basically, to right. kind of like get the movie to where it wants to go and like ends up being but it's in it has a lot of like really good moments basically and it has some good um supporting characters which are the the best thing in the film and the only thing that i found like slightly frustrating coming out is that we we i felt like i didn't get enough of the um uh there wasn't enough resolution basically to some of the other characters who were who were quite well drawn she has like a roommate when she's sent to this gay uh, conversion place um who is uh, fully sort of bought into it and is very enthusiastic uh and you sort of see a bit more of her uh, her own like identity struggle as the movie progresses and in some ways i found that a bit more interesting than chloe moretz's own one is she like more of a ronald mcmurphy figure then like is, oh. she, is she like uh, like does she buy into her at all or is she like just doing her time she's basically just doing her time yeah i mean she is sort of there's a bit more sort of introspection than in one flow of the cookies nest but it is a bit more like that 
where right. she is yeah she's just trying to sort of like power through it basically they yeah i think there's been a uh they, they made a decision to not to make the film like this sort of like grueling um like brutal thing where there's just like horrors inflicted upon these people and it, it partly serves to make the film a little bit more nuanced because the the people who run it are not like cartoon villains but I, but like one of them sort of is <laughs> right so uh it's like it's i feel like a lot of it is kind of gesturing towards a complexity that isn't like completely there is it a movie that's like meant to draw attention to the fact this is still a ongoing thing is it got like you know is it a movie that's trying to educate people and like you know bring about some sort of change or is it i i would not especially i would say right i think that it was i don't think it's made to be like a kind of anti-religious bigotry film particularly i think it's more i mean that's obviously an element to it but i don't think it's like some sort of crusading movie about you know like bad christians or something like that i think it's uh more a film about people kind of discovering their own identity and trying to like work out who they are and, and you know partly the the institutional abuse that they suffer is a kind of stand-in for just the engine of people their own self-development in a way you know yeah. like in it, like in a lot of coming-of-age type movies so yeah i mean it didn't sort of really stay with me a huge amount but yeah i quite liked it so quite enjoyable okay and now for Danny to review a film he recently saw Was it staggeringly brilliant? Was it ask-punchingly poor? How did Danny form the judgment? We're about to hear his thoughts If he does a rubbish job, then Sam will tell him off You want to hear my review of The Children's Act? Yes, please The Children's Act, this is directed by Richard uh, Ear And is written by Ian McEwan Based on his own novel of the same name And in it, Emma Thompson plays Fiona She is a judge at a family court meaning she is mainly involved in high-profile cases involving children and their parents. And, for example, at the beginning of the movie, she's just finishing up a case about separating Siamese twins, that kind of case stuff. And uh, her marriage is falling apart with her husband, Jack, played by Stanley Tucci. And at the beginning of the movie, he announces that he plans to have an affair, but he wants to be open about it and transparent. Don't know why. And while all this is going on, she is assigned an urgent case where... Adam, played by Fionn Whitehead, who was the guy in Dunkirk, the main guy. Yeah. He's a 17-year-old Jehovah Witness with uh, leukemia, and he and his parents are refusing to have a potentially life-saving blood transfusion because it's against their beliefs. They believe the soul is contained in the blood, and you can't mix, you can't take someone else's blood. It's a sin. And the hospital says they've got to do it, and so it goes to court, and Fiona must decide. Here is a clip from the beginning of the movie where Jack and Fiona are talking about their failing marriage. Jack. Jack. It's already started, hasn't it? Tell me the truth. What's her name? I can tell you honestly that it hasn't started yet. What's her name? Melanie. Not the mathematician. She's a statistician. The one who came around for dinner and talked us into a stupor and wrecked our floor with her stilettos. That's absurd. She's half your age. Look, you want to live like this? Fine. I don't. I'm going to have this affair. And a divorce and the child I've failed to give you? No. No divorce. No deception. No lies. I love you. And we're meant to be together. But look, I could have gone behind your back. Oh, how very kind. I can't believe how cool we are. It's open marriage. The time to suggest that, Jack, was before the wedding, not 20 years afterwards. Such a cliche. You do this, it's the end. Simple as that. Threat? Promise. What good actors. Stanley Tucci and Emma Thompson. I would like to see a comedy where they're a couple. They, they seem like a cool pairing. You've seen and, the drama where they're a couple? Now check out the comedy. And I would say, by far and away, the acting is very good. And it's what makes the film worth watching. Well, not worth watching. Watchable. Um, <laughs> and all the leads do a very good job of commentating for some real shit writing. <laughs> and... Uh, Another thing I liked about the movie, I'm going to start with the positives. I like films which depict professionals doing their job. And for the first 30 minutes, with the exception of a few kind of eye-rolling details, I was kind of with it. However, after this point, it takes a massive nosedive in quality when the actual case begins. And it's not clear what the film is about, if anything. It feels like a half-baked novel which has been translated to the screen with very little imagination. A lot of the movie seems to be dedicated to bashing Jehovah's Witnesses. Don't know why. Quite an easy target. <laughs> you know, a lot of the tenets of their religion is very unprogressive and seems very backwards, particularly not taking blood transfusions. 
And I don't know why Ian McEwen has singled out this these people he's got a beef with Jehovah's I don't know. He got doorstep one time by Jehovah's Witness and he's like, I'm gonna fucking immortalise you in fiction. Yeah, check out my next novel, mate. Yeah. And I think it's sort of about how I, I think what they were going for was some sort of thing about how you conduct yourself in society if you don't have a faith system and do you believe in just a law system instead? What are your pillars to, you know, base your morality on? I think that's what it's about. I think. But really, it's just about a middle class person uh, who's a bit miserable. It's a film about Ian McEwen, really. And Ian McEwen is not as interesting as he thinks he is. It's a bit like a Guardian think piece. He's crowbarred into a narrative. And the author's hand is most apparent with the character of Adam, who is this precocious teenager. Precocious because it would be too much effort to write someone who sounds like a 17-year-old. So yeah, they just yeah. sound like a 35-year-old, but he's sort of naive because he's an idiot religious person. And uh, he literally refers to Emma Thompson throughout the movie as my lady, because that's like what you call a judge. <laughs> he's like, my lady, my lady. And... Uh, Plotting is very bad, very meandering. It's got very low stakes. The decision of whether or not to have a blood transfusion is quite not much of an ethical dilemma, I don't think, for most people, unless you're a Jehovah's Witness watching the movie, in which case you might be outraged. Yeah, It's not at all surprising what the decision is there. And there are more than a few moments that are just full-on cliches. When she meets Adam in like his hospital bed, he's got a guitar next to him, and I was like, fucking hell, don't pick up that guitar. Oh, God, he's picked up the guitar. Oh, don't start singing. Oh, God, he's not singing. <laughs> Uh, I found it kind of unbearable. I also hated the... There's a... Um, this isn't really a major point. This is just a nitpick. But there's a plot point that Emma Thompson plays the piano. Of course she does. And uh, she has to do a bit of piano playing. And I, I'm sick to the back teeth of movies which just have the characters have musical gifts so they can have scenes where they sort of emotes while playing music. Yeah, you can't yeah. have a three-minute scene of someone just staring and looking sad. But you can have a three-minute scene of someone doing that and playing the piano. But it doesn't make it any better. It just means there's some bad background music that goes with the sort of manufactured emotion bit. Yeah. <laughs> find it very annoying. Uh, so, yeah, it's just a very sterile, bad film. It's just bad. And whatever enjoyment there is to be had from the movie is purely down to the considerable talents of the cast who do the best they can with very bad material. I would like to go to a dinner party with the cast. You know, that sounds like a fun night. But not with the characters. Not the characters. Don't want to see this film again. I saw it with my mum and she said that's quite bad. Even my mum didn't like it. Wow. Even my mum. You know, I'm relieved in a way because I don't like Ian McEwan. So it's nice to have that opinion sort of validated. Um, But having said that, I do kind of want to read... um, uh, what was it called? No, no it's not the called. One the fetus, the one about the fetus who hates trigger warnings or something. <laughs> Nutshell, I think it's what it's called. Nutshell. Yeah, like the main character is a fetus, but I think it's just you know more of the, more of the same shit except for that kind of fetus device. Play piano in the, in the womb and <laughs> I stuff. think he might as well though. I think he's a very sophisticated fetus who talks about Hamlet and like this kind of thing. Of course. Yeah. Um. So go see Children's Act. Five stars. <laughs> it's shit. Don't watch it. <laughs> My favourite film stars Bridget Bardo She's the queen and she wants to be in radio So she starts a podcast with her friends And the terrorists try to stop her but she beats them in the end Sam, who's the best Chris? Evans, Pratt, Pine or Hemsworth? Well for me it's Hemsworth Boring choice I think he's very funny He's mm-hmm. very. I think he's the best looking of the, of the Chris's Very shallow <laughs> Um, I just find him charming. You know, I think he carries his, you know, um, massive abs well. Okay. Um, whereas I think Chris Evans is like, it seems like a very nice guy, but he's like, you know, just uh, doesn't have quite this. I mean, he just seems like a sort of nice guy, but he seems like probably not that interesting. That's my that's my feel about him. I feel like you better get better conversation out of Hemsworth. Really? I think so. What would you talk about? Well, just, you know, what's in the news, the weather, you know, like uh, your favourite uh, foods, well, normal topics of conversation. But you wouldn't get that from Evans? I think you would have the same kinds of conversations, but I just don't think they'd sparkle in the same way. What about Pratt? Um, Pratt, his star has, like, fallen a lot since he got buff. Yeah. I'd hang out with, like, non-buff Chris Pratt, but yeah. buff Pratt, I think, is, you know, just what? a bad Chris now. What? He's like, you know, he's like... It's like if Hemsworth was not buff anymore, he'd probably fall out of the top Chris's. Whereas with Chris Pratt, it's the other way around. That's my opinion. Right. What about uh, Pine? P- 
Pine, I find a bland Pratt. I mean, a bad Chris. He's not one of the Pratts. Um, just find him a little bit. He seems fine, but I just don't have any strong views on him. Seems like just I think, a... I think you're wrong. I think just he's, doesn't... He's the best one. Easily the best one. You're a Pine man? I love Pine. He's my favorite out of the four Chris's. Well, can you justify that? Number one. Just like his whole vibe. Very cool. <laughs> can rock a pair of dungarines. A very great look. I, I like... He's into hip-hop. Wow. Like oh, wow. He's into hip-hop. I've just seen him interviews. He's very relaxed, cool guy. So what nothing would, to prove. What would you talk to him about? Hip hop. <laughs> Tribal quest. Dungarees. Dungarees. Quest. Talk about dungarees. Also, uh, don't know if you've heard the latest news. There's a new movie Outlaw King, but there's a full frontal scene. Apparently, he's got a massive big dick, and now I realise what I was attracted to was his BDE, big dick energy. Do you want to hear a little bit about the sex scene? Yes, please. This is from Vulture. Um, in a post titled Chris Pine's Penis Dazzles Audience at Opening Night of Toronto Film Festival. they talking about the sex scene in Outlaw King, which is the movie in which he gets his dick out in. The sex scene that ensues can only be described as Wiseowen, both in the way that the camera lovingly lingers on the male lead's backside and in its willingness to go on for a beat longer than is comfortable. That's a reference to the sex scene in Tommy Wiseau's The Room, just right. in case you didn't know. Um, it's kicked off by a split-second shot where Robert disrobes unveiling the full majesty of his medieval bush. It's a level of nudity you don't often see from male movie stars, and quite frankly, it makes Justin Thoreau look like Buffalo Bill. Wow. Not sure about that gag there. But what's his, has Justin Thoreau's, like gotten his dick out before? Maybe, but Buffalo Bill tucks his penis behind him, yeah. right? So um, Thoreau must have got a huge schlong, but it's not as big as Pine. It's got that BDE. Do you reckon that Chris Pine's penis will be larger than Michael Fassbender's penis in the film Shame? He's got a pretty big dick in that. Yeah. By the way, this is just my view. Yeah. I don't think it's particularly, you know, bold as a actor if you're, you know, get having a fully nude scene, but you've got like a great looking massive dick. I feel like it's just a like... It's a boast. It's just a boast, isn't it? Yeah. What would be brave about this is if he actually had like a small dick and he was still yeah. willing to do it. Like, that would be quite cool. Then I'd be like really applauding him. What if you've got a massive dick, but only when erect, and like your flaccid penis isn't that big, but then like a movie calls for you? Yeah. Well, you just have your character say, "I was in the pool. I was in the pool." <laughs> Shrinks. <laughs> um, the anyway. other question that I have about this. Sorry, I'm not. I'm, not, I'm still talking about it. Yeah. So he disrobes, and you see his dick. Yeah. In a sex scene, shouldn't his dick be hard? Is it going to be hard? It doesn't like a hard dick. That probably would not be allowed in an R-rated movie. That would probably sure. make it an X-rated film. Well, it's going straight to Netflix. Maybe you can just do anything on that show. Netflix-rated. Um, well, maybe it's like you know, because it won't make sense if he's got like a if he gets his whole kid off and his his dick is clearly not erect and then he has sex. What's going on? Maybe it's like a power move. It's like we're gonna have sex. Oh yeah, maybe. He's like takes it takes off his clothes. And we're like, gonna have. I'm not even. I'm not even turned on yet. It's like, you want this to happen? You know. So now, now over to you. Over the to ball's you. in your court now. I mean, if you're not into this, this is pretty much assault, so. Well, I think maybe that's like a less confrontational way. Because if you take your clothes off and you're not erect yet. Yeah. That's like, you know, it will be, it's more, I think, probably more like of a, you know. That's true. Putting more pressure on the woman, isn't it? If you already like that, you know, that looks bad, I would say. Maybe he just goes for a shower. And then he's like, want to join me? He's gone for a medieval shower. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a sort of weird sex move. Yeah, I was with the skill last like night. Did the old medieval shower. What does that mean? Uh, covered her in burning oil. <laughs> <laughs> Launched a flame. <laughs> anyway, I'm glad we settled out who's the best Chris. Chris Pine. Glad I, I uh, won Just you round Just you wait, there. man. Wait, wait until Outlaw King 2, starring Chris Hemsworth, when he gets his much fucking bigger penis out, slams it on the table, and breaks the table. <laughs> <laughs> it must be a really weak table, then. <laughs> it be broken by such a small dick. All right. Maybe but, they've all got big dicks, but I still like Chris Pine the best. Every dick is big to me, Danny. The real big, <laughs> the real big dick is in our hearts, isn't it? Yeah, you don't need to have a big dick to have BDE. Exactly. You just need to... You don't need to have a dick at all. You don't have a dick at all. You're yeah. not have BDEs. Anyway, thanks for joining us on this episode of Film Chat. Join us next week when we will be reviewing more films. I don't know what they're going to be. What are you looking forward to? Might, might go see Crazy Rich Asians. 
Cool. Is that going to be with your ma or with your sa star? Sister. Or your dada. Or your brother. Don't have one. Or I your, don't know. Or your dog. I don't know. I'm just going to find someone to go see it with. Okay, cool. Whereas I will be... I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm just going to head into the cinema and I'll say, Sir, bring me a ticket to a film. What's starting? <laughs> What's on? What's good here? And then we'll just cool. go from there. Brilliant. All right. Bye. I was supposed to see her. She wasn't supposed to see me. So what? Well, ordinarily, I wouldn't mind. But. But what? Well, I just got back from swimming in the pool. And the water was cold. Uh, <laughs> you mean shrinkage? Yes. <laughs> Significant shrinkage. So you, you feel you were shortchanged? Yes. I mean, if she thinks that's me, she's under a complete misapprehension. That was not me, Jerry. That was not me. So what's the difference? Well, what if she discusses it with Jane? Oh, she's not going to tell Jane. How do you know? Women aren't like us. They're worse. They're much worse than us. They talk about everything. Couldn't you at least tell her about the shrinkage factor? No, I'm not going to tell her about your shrinkage. Besides, I, I think women know about shrinkage. How do women know about shrinkage? Isn't it common knowledge? Oh. I like, I like. Do women know about shrinkage? What do you mean, like laundry? No. Like when a man goes swimming afterwards? It shrinks? Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.